Amen. All right. How we doing, Grace? All right. Okay, man. You guys have let your presence known. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, last week, man, I got to share with you. Last week, we had an awesome Easter service here at the drive-in. And I just want to share with you guys a few things. Uh, first of all, man, we had over estimated over 700 people were here worshiping our Savior last week, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, so super excited about that, yeah, okay, so people are excited about that, but the bigger story is this, and we're so thankful for this, there was actually multiple people that were here last week that gave their life to Christ, that saw their need for a Savior and trusted in Him, so yeah, so we're excited again about sharing you with that, God is, man, God is good, doing some big things at Grace, and uh, even doing that here at the drive-in, hey, this week, we are going to kick off a new four-week series that's called Isolated But Not Alone. Isolated But Not Alone. And uh, I think that we all probably get this, why we would choose this topic, and so we're going to work this thing together. Uh, for this series, we're going to be uh, going to a small letter that was written in the Bible by the greatest missionary that ever walked the face of the earth, and that's the missionary Paul. And uh, he wrote this letter that actually talks about this, and, and he gives us encouragement, knowing uh, really how we can focus on the bigger picture. And when we go through isolation, like we're faced with in our country and in our world, man, we can see, we can have joy knowing that we are not alone as we are isolated. And uh, man, I'm excited about kicking off, again, this new series. You see, for most of us, we get what isolation is now more than ever in our entire life. We get the struggle that goes with being isolated. Maybe for some of you, it's just the simple fact that, man, it's bothering you, driving you crazy because you cannot be around your family. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, I celebrated my 30th birthday. Celebrated it with Marissa and my two kids, Baylor and Kinley, at the house. And it was different than any other birthday I have had because typically we would gather with our family. We would, you know, go over to my mom's house and grandparents would come over and my sister, brother-in-law, niece and nephews, everyone would come over. We'd hang out. We'd have an awesome time. And I remember thinking my birthday, man, I'm excited. I get to hang out with my family. But it's just different. It just didn't seem quite right. And so maybe that's you. You're just struggling because... Man, this whole isolation thing, you can't hang around your family. Maybe you can't if you go to TU or Heidelberg and, you know, all your friends are back home and you're stuck here for some reason. And you can't hang out with your friends. Like, life is just different. You're struggling with maybe the new normal of life now. It bothers you knowing that it could last like this for a lot longer. You can't come to church on Sunday and hang out and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Well, I just want to say this. I'm glad that you're here this morning because this is exactly what we're talking about. Now, i got to ask you guys this real quick. You know, with sports going, you know, there's no sports going on right now. It kind of bothers me. I'm a big sports guy, okay? But I think we're still going to have college football this fall. Is anybody excited about that like I am? Okay, okay. Man, I even got somebody raising their hand out here. We're excited for college football, especially the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so I noticed this last year. My man Justin Fields, when he threw his first interception, 
through the interception. And, uh, you know, obviously he's upset, runs off the field, goes over to the bench on his sideline, picks up the phone, and immediately starts talking to one of the assistant coaches that is up in the press box that can see the entire field, right? And he's looking down, the coach is, he's talking to Justin, Justin's upset, he's mad, he's through an interception, he's frustrated, his first one for the year. And his coach is telling him exactly what he did wrong from his perspective, and he's also telling him, hey, the cornerback, he jumped the pass in this way, that's how he intercepted it. He's probably telling Justin something like, hey man, you didn't see it, it's all good, check it out, we'll get it fixed next time, watch it, and you'll be good to go. See, from the coach's perspective, from, that, from where he's located at, looking down the field, he can see the bigger picture. See, the quarterback on the field, he cannot see that. Maybe a defender was in the way, maybe one of his linemen was in the way, and it broke that up. The coach can look down and can tell him, hey, this is the bigger picture, this is what happened, so let's move on from here. See, as Christians, we have to see the bigger picture in isolation. See, there was a guy in the Bible, again, this great missionary who faced isolation a lot. And his name is Paul. He writes the letter that we're going to be looking at today while he's actually in prison. And he writes this to help the first century church, and, and not just the first century church, like with the rest of the Bible. He's wrote this portion from God, the inspiration of the Spirit, not just to Philippians, the people of Philippians, the church at Philippi, but also to Northwest Ohio as we struggle through this thing called isolation. And he's telling them and he's telling us, encouraging us how, excuse me, we can have joy knowing that we are not alone in isolation. See, in the next four weeks, we're going to get Paul's perspective on how we can have joy and isolation. We're going to see the big picture and how he paints this thing and how we as a church can make it through this time and just, again, make a big impact for the kingdom of Christ. So this little letter, Philippians, it's, it's written to the church at Philippi. And just so we get a little bit of context and know the history about Philippi, if you go back to Acts chapter 16 and we have the first three people that gave their life to Jesus in Philippi, and they were radically different. Those three people was a, fa a, a rich fashion designer named Lydia. She's also a slave girl. And then lastly, last part of that chapter, you'll see that a jailer came to know Jesus as his Savior. And actually, you've probably heard the story about the jailer before. Really cool story. Paul and Silas, they're in prison in chains, in the center part of the prison, and they start singing, they start praising God because they're just trusting him through all the craziness going on and through persecution. And God sends an earthquake, and the, the prison doors, they burst open. And the jailer, knowing that if these guys get out, he knows that he is going to get killed. So he, he really, he, he asks a question to Paul and to Silas both. He says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul immediately responds back, and he says this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And a really cool thing happens. The jailer actually goes back to his house and tells the entire family this awesome story about this guy named Jesus that loves and cares for people and, and wants to take away our sin. And his entire house gives their life to Jesus. And this is the start 
of Philippi. Or, uh, yeah, of Philippi, this church that's at Philippi. And these first few believers, it's interesting, they're so different. You would never have seen, you know, an ex-GI blue-collar jailer sitting at a table with a woman in that culture. You would have never seen a rich fashion designer sitting with a slave girl. But this is what the whole story of the gospel does. It takes people from different walks of life, and it brings them together because we have really one main thing we're about, and that's this, the transformation of the gospel that Jesus does in our life. And we get that. We go to church with people from different walks of life, but again, we come together as Christians because we have one main thing in, 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 uh, in mind, and that's that Jesus has transformed our hearts and forgiven us our sins. It's what the gospel, it's what it does. Brings people together. You see, this, this church at Philippi, it gets started right in Acts chapter 16. Again, different walks of life. They come together. Church of Philippi, again, it's located in Philippi. In this city, it was a Roman colony. Uh, many of its citizens, they were actually ex-Roman uh, military personnel. And many people in that town, in that city, actually followed the Roman religion. Now, this was a big deal for Christians because a couple big things. First of all, their Roman religion taught that if you said that your God was the only God, if you said that your God was the you know, only way to heaven or whatever, they, they, they totally refuted that. And they would, they would you know, beat people, they would persecute people if you said that. So that was a big deal, obviously, to Christians. The other thing was that if you did not recognize that the Roman, the emperor of Rome was the ruler of the world, then, uh, man, you again faced some serious, serious issues, which both these things would cause a problem. Because as believers, those both go against what God's word teaches, okay? God is, is the only true God, the one that we serve, sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, to take our place. These would go against him. So the believers, you got to think about this, the believers that are in Philippi, I mean, they were persecuted. They, were, they had a target on their back. That's who Paul writes us to. See, from Acts 16, when the church started, to chapter 1 of Philippians, the church had grown it had grown in numbers, and it had grown in their relationship with God and their relationship with others. And God was doing some awesome things, even through persecution. And we know this based off of what Paul says in Philippians 1, 3 to 5. And, and Zach said earlier, you can go on that church, uh, church center app, and it actually has all the verses. You can follow along uh, right on the app if you don't have your Bible. Philippians 1, 3 to 5, check out what he says. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, the church at Philippi seemed to be the example church. Though Paul, he wrote this letter to be received by the Philippians. They were honestly, they were going through a tough time. He shares a constant theme throughout this letter, and it's this. Finding joy in isolation because we are not alone. See, Paul understood what it meant to be isolated. He's in prison. He faces hard times. We would all be lying if we said that what we're going through right now 
isn't bad. We would all be lying if we said that. I get it, Paul gets it, and God gets it. So let's do this. As a church, let's find out from what God has to say on isolation, how we can work through this thing and trust God and see why he's letting us go through this right now. See, Paul here reminds us that we can have joy during any time in life, whether free, whether in prison, by focusing on the bigger picture of the story of Jesus. Check out what it says in Philippians 1, 12 to 14. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually, check this out, advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord for my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. See, Paul, he reminds us that our bad circumstances, isolation, different things that we go through in life, he reminds us these bad circumstances in life can have a greater purpose. A greater purpose that the gospel is spread. Paul, he talks about how this imperial guard, that they, they would know the truth of Jesus. He says in verse you know, 12, 13, 14, See, Paul, he's actually chained to these guards. That's on the uh, innermost part of the prison. He's chained to three or four different guards. And every day, multiple uh, guards, they actually actually change out guards. So he'll be, you know, tied for a few hours or chained a few hours to a couple guards. And those guards will leave. They'll get chained to more guards. And and, uh, he's, he's in this prison with multiple different guards. Again, they're watching him. They don't want him to escape. Again, these guys are the biggest and the best guards that they have. They would do all kinds of things to him. They'd beat him. They'd mock him. They'd persecute him, all kinds of stuff. And I want you just to think about this so we understand what Paul is going through. Paul, in his life, he would receive 39 lashes five different times, all for speaking about Jesus. He was beaten three different times with a rod actually in the city of Philippi. Once he was stoned by a mob and left for dead. He was shipwrecked jailed several times, and faced criticism from believers and non-believers alike. But even in his place of isolation, with what he's going through, even in that prison cell, he sees it as a mission field. You see, with every new group of guards that would come and would unloosen the chains and chain, you know, from the other guards and chain them themselves, so Paul wouldn't get away. With every one of them, he looked at them as an eternal soul that needed to be saved, that needed to be forgiven their sins and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save them. Paul, he looked at them as someone that could give their life to Jesus. Regardless if they're in chains, regardless if they were his enemy, they were his mission field no matter where he was. And he saw every opportunity he could to let Christ be known to them. You see, we see our tough times. We see our isolation that we're going through right now. And we don't look at it like a mission field, do we? If, if you're like me and I'm just, I'm admitting, you know, my shortcomings here, my failure, but Isolation, all I'm thinking about is getting out. All I'm thinking about is escaping isolation. That's all that's on probably a lot of our minds. But man, not not my man Paul. We need to have his perspective. Paul, 
he saw to have every opportunity he could to share his faith with others, even when he's isolated. And maybe we should ask God, what's the greater purpose? What God, God, I don't know why we're going through this as a world, but God, what's the greater purpose you have for us? Verse 14, Paul, he actually tells us that through our life, believers can be encouraged. Paul's difficult, these tough times, painful times, they led to encouragement for other Christians. He's getting beaten multiple times a day, different times throughout his life, and in prison, and cra- everything's going on in his heart or his life. That it's just, it's crazy. All for telling people about Jesus. But he says this in verse 14. He says that other Christians actually gain confidence to share their faith because of what he's going through. Okay, now, if you're like me, I read this the first time, I'm studying this out, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, that doesn't make sense. Paul, you're telling me because you're getting beaten for a message, obviously about Jesus, you're getting beaten for a message telling people about Christ, you know, you're continuing being in prison, beaten multiple times. And you're saying that that's actually helping people that are believers outside of prison, you know, to, to be able to share their faith. And they could possibly get, in, you know, beaten too, getting in prison too, getting put in prison too. I thought, man, Paul, like, does he really know what he's talking about? Then it kind of made sense for me, okay? So I'm going back to the time when I'm like seven years old, all right? Go to Cedar Point for the very first time, like, in my life. And I am bound to determine that I want to ride the Magnum, which was like the latest and greatest Cedar Point, or latest and greatest roller coaster up at Cedar Point. So I remember as we're like, I, I know that I'm going to ride it. I made that decision. And I remember I was talking to my sister. I'm talking to my dad. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, hey, was it really that bad? Like, my sister, come on. She's, you know, she's my sister, right? She's weak, whatever, you know. If she made it through going on the Magnum like a year ago, I'm good to go, okay? So... So I asked him, like, hey, did you make, you know, how was it? Is it terrible? Did you pass out? She's like, no, it's fine. It's a little scary. But after the first hill, you're good, right? And I went on it. Awesome time. Exciting. Good stuff. You see, I knew that if my sister, my dad, whoever, they made it through going on that ride, I knew that I could too. I knew that whatever, going through the pain, you know, going through that, I knew that I could as well. You see, Paul like this, he got the bigger picture. The way he faced suffering gave others courage. See, what he went through, the way that he faced that, again, it gave other people courage, other believers outside of prison courage, and we can do the same as well. See, the big picture is that God, we have to see what the big picture is, and we may not understand it right now. It may be for a purpose that we never know. Maybe the purpose is, again, to, to get the focus back in our relationship with Jesus as not just a country, but as a world. See, isolated at home, what a better time to spend really that time growing your relationship with God, praying for others, encouraging others, loving others to Jesus, doing different things again to get your faith out. Maybe in your life, you've said this before. Like, yeah, I just don't have time to pray for other people, okay? I've heard people say that before, all right? We always have time to pray for other people, but you have no excuse now. You have as much time as you need to spend that time praying for others. 
be an encouragement. See, though Paul, all that he had went through, being locked up in prison, through his life and his ministry, what he'd done, many believers, they were encouraged. Another way to think about this is, like, for, for instance, Philippians, one of the letters that Paul, he had wrote this while in prison. Other ones, Ephesians and, and Philemon, just to name a few. But there were multiple different letters that Paul had wrote that would go into the Bible. And these letters have, through the ages, have served as encouragement. Think about the, the verses in, in, in Philippians 4 and Philippians 3. And, and these have all served as great encouragement and strength for believers all through the ages, from back to the first century, all the way till now. Man, Paul... In his prison cell, in his time of isolation, he used it to maximize, really, the gospel and getting it out. Many people still, through these letters, are being encouraged today. You see, when it comes down to it, verse 18 really focuses on all that Paul was about. All that he cared about was this. Check it out, Philippians 1, verse 18 says, Whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and check this out, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Remember, he's rejoicing with chains on. He's rejoicing as he's chained to these guards that are beating him. He's saying, it's all good. Hey, it's okay because Jesus is getting out. People are coming to faith in him. Man, what an awesome thing. What an awesome perspective. He's saying, no worries. It's all good as long as Jesus is getting out. See, don't let your time of isolation cause you to miss out on sharing your faith and encouraging others. Paul, he understood that true joy and isolation comes from living in Jesus. Philippians 1.21 says this. It's probably one of his top five, you know, most memorable verses. It says this, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He would go on, he would unpack this a little bit for us in verses 22 to 25. And it says this, Now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. And he says this, I'm torn between the two. I don't, I don't know which one to pick, which one to choose. He says, I long to, uh, to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh, check this out, is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with, uh, with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. See, Paul is saying, life is Jesus. He's saying, having life and all that it's about, it is Jesus. See, some of us, maybe what we're finding out right now in our time of isolation is that things that we've tried to get joy from in life, and, and maybe they've brought some happiness here and there, but what we're finding out is that in this time of isolation, very few things can actually bring us joy. But the one thing that can is our relationship with Jesus. Maybe we're finding out that success and money and a certain kind of a house and a certain hobby, we've thought that maybe that could bring us joy in life. But now, they're not. And the only thing Paul's saying what our life should be about as Christians is our relationship with Jesus. He's the only thing that can bring long-term joy. I'm sure Paul, as he's sitting in his, his prison, chained to these guards, writing these words down, or just thinking them in his mind, he's not thinking about his home bringing him joy. 
There's no joy in that when you're in that situation. He's not thinking about money. It serves no value in prison. He's not thinking about success. It serves no place or no value in prison, only his relationship with Jesus. See, if our joy comes from Jesus, then we should follow his example. See, Paul, he understood that life for Jesus, that's following his example, was a life that was focused on others and, and their needs over his own. See, if we look to Jesus as an example, we can, we can actually go back to last week. Again, an awesome Easter weekend. Awesome. People gave their life to Christ, and a lot of people were here. Man, exciting, exciting times. But we go back to last, last week and hearing Pastor Zach's message, and it's, it's, it's the whole purpose of, of why Jesus came. It's for others. The whole reason why he died a cruel, terrible death on the cross, the whole reason why he went through what he did was for you. He died in our place, taking on our sin debt to have a personal, growing relationship with each and every one of us. And Jesus placed everyone's needs for his own. Paul does the same. And we know this based out of what he says in Philippians 1, 21, 24. He says this uh, uh, in verse 23. He says, I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Okay, all that he's saying is this. I'm ready to die and go be with Jesus. Like, he's ready to die and for it to be over with and for him to go and to live with Jesus forever. And I think a lot of us, going back to what we know about him being imprisoned and, and him being beaten and him being criticized, I mean, and, and just all that he had went through, I think everyone here would say, yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, I don't blame him for wanting to die and to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. Like, that doesn't sound bad, especially with, I mean, what he's went through, and he's done so much for the church already, and he's led so many people to Jesus. It's all good. But check this out. He chooses something different. Instead, he chooses to trust God and follow the greater need. The greater need, he's, uh, in verse number 24, he says this, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. You see, Paul shares that true joy, it comes from looking outside of himself and onto the needs of others. Even in isolation, while he's in prison with chains, Paul's going, hey, yeah, that's, that's my desire. Like, my desire, my desire is just to, go, just to go to die and to be with Jesus. Like, that's what I want. Sit back and do that. That's, that's the easy thing. But then he says the most necessary thing for me to do is to continue being in prison, continue face the beatings, and to get the gospel out and to strengthen believers. He's saying the most necessary thing for my life right now is that I continue staying here. He's going, I, I've got a hunch. I, I really think that God wants me to stay here and to get the message out. See, he recognizes the struggle of what he wants, but then also what is most necessary, and he chooses the necessary over his desire. And I think that we all get this, okay? Uh, I think we get that it's always better to choose the necessary over what we desire, okay? I'm going to give you guys an example, all right? With quarantine going on, 
I'm just trying to stay active, just a little bit healthy, okay? I'm not a health nut, but trying to stay a little bit healthy, all right? And so I've got some weights out in my gym and ever out in my garage, and every morning at like 6 o'clock, my alarm goes off. And I, and I, right then, my desire is not to go and to work out in my gym, okay? It's not at all for like 30 minutes or whatever. Like, that's not my desire. My desire is to stay in bed, okay? But I know this, that for my body, for my health, that that is the better decision. That is the most necessary. See, Paul, looking back now, he would say the same, but obviously way more important. He would say, I'm so glad I did what was necessary for others. Looking back now in heaven, I'm sure that you would say, I'm so glad that I wrote those letters. I'm so glad that I wrote the book of Philippians so that those at Grace Community Church, the drive-in theater off of 53, could be encouraged with what they're going through and know that we can truly have joy. See, then Paul, he ends with sharing that true joy and isolation comes from knowing that we are citizens of heaven. Philippians 1.27, it says this. Uh, he says this, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life, check this out, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Have you ever thought this? this reading this verse kind of came to my mind. What does it mean to live worthy of the gospel? Like, what does that look like? Think about that for a second. What does that mean to live worthy of the gospel? I mean, Paul tells us to do it as citizens of heaven. If we're Christians, we're going to heaven. He says that we should live like this. It means this. It means to live with integrity in every part of life as a Christian. Would it shock maybe your coworkers at the factory or, or at the office? They found out that you were at the drive-in theater at Grace Community Church today. Would it shock your kids if they found out that you were a believer? Would it shock your, or your friends if they found out that you were a believer? You see, Paul's saying if you're a Christian, you need to live with integrity according to God's word. Follow Jesus' example in all manners of life from a heart of love. See, Paul understood in order to have joy, we have to remember that this earth, it's not our eternal home. Like this is only where we're at. It's only temporary. Like we're not going to be here forever. So many Christians in Philippi and through the ages and even now live like the only thing to live for is themselves. The only thing to live for is what makes them happy, not what's necessary we say we have a relationship with Jesus, but in reality, all of our time, effort, money is spent on us. I think if Paul was to give one last message to all of us, it would be this. Live your life for eternity, not for yourself. See, Paul, he lived every single day. Every single day of his life, he lived like it was the last day that he would live, like the last day of his life. And he lived knowing that hell was a real place. See, I wonder in our relationships with people, and not even just relationships with people, but in our meetings with people, we go to the grocery store, 
We order our food online right now. When we go and we pick it up from the lady at Walmart, the guy at Walmart, like Paul would have viewed that person as someone with chains on. That was someone else that was on the, that, that was someone that needed to hear about Jesus. That was an eternal soul. But if we truly live like it was our last day, if we truly lived like hell was a real place, which it is, we would take time and we would share our faith with them in love. You see, Paul, he knew where he was at in life. He knew that it was 4th and 20, being in prison, knowing that shortly he would be killed by Nero. He would go on trial to Nero and be killed. And he gets God's perspective on the situation at Philippi. God is trying to get us to see our isolation, really, through this bigger picture, through his perspective. As he looks down our isolation, he wants us to get this big picture of Christianity, that Jesus, again, has a reason for all of this. He has a purpose for it. If we're struggling through isolation, man, we need to get our eyes on their bigger picture that God is using this to reach people. He's using this to strengthen believers, and maybe he wants to use you like he did Paul to strengthen other Christians. Paul, he's been on the phone like Justin Fields was in the football, you know, on the football field. God, or Paul has been on the field with God. He's on the phone with God. He's talking to him. He gets it. Man, do we get it? Have we spent time in prayer with God? Have we done that? Do we understand? Do we get the bigger picture and how God can work this out? God used Paul's isolation, think about this, to spread the gospel over the entire world, to encourage saints with the letters that he had written while in prison that are still being read today, not just in America, but all over the world. Man, this led to Paul being filled with joy even in time of isolation. You can read the life of Paul and see that he understood the bigger picture in life. Whether he was locked in chains to an imperial guard or whether he was free doing his mission work. He wasn't turning to media for his perspective on, the, on, on being isolated. He was turning to the God of heaven for his perspective on isolation. Our time of isolation, it is a divine opportunity for each believer to share their faith and encourage other Christians to be the light. In doing this, we find joy even in isolation, and we too can understand how God is using circumstances of our life as part of the bigger picture. I just want to say this real quick. Maybe you're, maybe you're here uh, and you've never heard about Paul, you've never heard about Philippians, you've never heard about what God has done for you. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never trusted in Jesus alone to save you. I want to encourage you that. The Bible tells us that today's the day of salvation. It's not too late. So if you're sitting there in your car, know this, that God, whether you're at home, uh, whether you're sitting on a, uh, on a chair at church, whether you're sitting in your car, knows this, that God loves you and he wants to see you come to him in faith. And just want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I just want to share with you if that's something that you want to do, you want to trust in Jesus the Bible tells us this, that we need to admit that we are a sinner, that what we have done has broken our relationship with God. But God in his love and mercy sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for each and every person. 
Realize and trust that what Jesus did on the cross, it covered your sin, it forgave you of your sins. Believe in Jesus and ask him to come into your heart and to save you. And they're going to play this song right after me. And maybe take this time, if you've not done that before, take this time as an opportunity as they're playing this song and just pray to God and ask him, again, to come into your heart, to save you and to forgive you of your sins.